So welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. My name is Daniel Whitehead. I am the CEO of Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries. And during COVID-19, I'm also the host of our podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by a friend. Uh, let me tell you a bit about her. And I'm going to just avert, move, move my eyes to my bit of paper. Um, Kate is a pastor at Zio Church in the town of Hitchin, which is in Hertfordshire, just north of London, for those who care to know. Uh, Kate did her PhD in psychology. Uh, she's a uh, author and speaker and one of the three directors of the Mind and Soul Foundation, whose aim is to educate, equip and encourage the local church in the whole area of mental health and emotional health in the UK. Kate, thanks for joining us. Awesome. No, it's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you with us. And um, I hope I got your intro right. Is there anything I got wrong? No, that's pretty spot on. You didn't even make a Kate Middleton joke. Well, there's still time for that. We will get to that, I'm sure. Yeah, we can drop um, it in later when we least expect it. Yeah, you, that must always happen. You get introduced and that's that's the joke, yeah, right? It, it comes up. I think it's actually starting to tail off. Uh-huh. But, yeah, yeah. And But now I'm like, I'm bereft without it because I've got so used <laughs> to it over like 10 years of being introduced that way. <laughs> Part of your identity now. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's probably helped with hits on the Mind and Soul website, probably. <laughs> Who knows? I think people are confused, especially because actually the other Kate Middleton, as obviously I like to refer to her, is now quite passionate about mental health. And the royals here do a lot of stuff around mental health. So I remember my son coming in one day and saying, oh, mummy, that other Kate Middleton, she's talking about the same stuff you do. <laughs> the imposter. So it yeah. can get quite confusing and there have been some near misses where she's been involved in projects I've been involved with or she opened uh, the building for an organisation that I work quite closely with across in Luton, which is near here. But we were on holiday, so I couldn't come. And so people are starting to question, can we be in the same place at the same time? Or is it a sort of back to the future time space paradox thing that, you know, if the two Kate Middletons meet, the whole world implodes or something? I mean, anyway. I'm going to go with it. I, I think that sounds great. Just stick that on your resume. That's um, So, Kate, so look, one of the things we're doing during this time is we're just asking people who work in this intersection of faith and mental health, just like, how are you doing? And how are you doing in the midst of a pandemic? What does that look like for you and, and, and your work and your vocation? Yeah, it's interesting. So obviously I have two main sort of work and vocation spaces, as, as you've talked about, and the impact on the two has been really different. So in our church space, obviously what this has meant, like all churches, is a huge change to how we do church, what that means, what that looks like. Part of my role there is to oversee all of our pastoral care and well-being stuff. So we're thinking about how do you care for a church full of people who, well, I say full, but there is no building now. They're, they're out, they're in the community, they're scattered. And um, so thinking about how we do that in isolation, in lockdown, and how we can really care for them well, but also what are the needs of our local community in that, and caring for people with all the differences that that brings. So some people for whom this has been quite a blessed time, maybe they've had time out from work, time in their gardens, more time than usual, but also other people for whom this has been really difficult, maybe because of challenges or difficulties, illness, whether it's background vulnerability or that, that they or their loved ones have experienced COVID, or those who are working flat out so i'm involved with doing a lot of work with some frontline workers in our area and just supporting them but also we hear from a lot of people within our church community who are juggling work and homeschooling children i'm also in that category and believe me 
man it's a juggle so that's a challenge so that's the works that's the church space and then of course for me in the other space for my professional role as a psychologist but also working alongside the mind and soul foundation and in the wider church community across the whole of the uk it has been obviously really busy as i've been involved we've been involved in just supporting the church more widely what does it mean to do this can you get through this season not just surviving it but actually thriving how do you do this and and look after your own well-being but also the well-being of those near you and and all the different phases that this crisis has meant for us here in the UK you know and we're sort of probably in what I would call the sort of third main phase of that now as we're starting to move into release and thinking about what does this new normal look like yeah Hmm. that's yeah that is when you condense it so eloquently into that short space of those various hats you wear that just feels so overwhelming um i'm i'm wondering has i mean yeah you've alluded to the fact that it feels overwhelming but but what are what are your core practices what are the core things that you do to ensure that you're able to maintain some kind of wellness in the midst of wearing all these many hats yeah well it's interesting that's something a lot of people have been asking and that I've been talking about and and in some ways the intriguing thing about this season for me as a psychologist is exactly that that I am sharing with people the same things that I am putting in place myself and I'm putting in place for my family because we're in this too this is a challenge that that we're all facing together and I guess particularly in this season because I think at first you could treat it like a sort of acute crisis like head down one day at a time push the limits just get through and and you can you can sort of meet it like that and particularly at first when we all went into lockdown here um I think for most people me included it came as quite a big shock the practical so what that meant to your life and so you were in that that zone of lots of adjustment quite busy really motivated lots of novelty lots of things to be getting on with and um and and a lot of people actually i think and found it almost exciting you know the juggle of some of those things but then as you move into longer term lockdown you're managing the challenges of 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 losing all your productivity you've lost all your routine all the structure to your world and what that does is it pushes your stress level up and everybody's stress level will have moved up even if you didn't find it distressing I talk a lot about the fact that stress and distress are two different things. Mm. And in this season, for some people, it has been distressing, and that's an added challenge. But everybody's stress levels rose because your brain uses routine and rhythm and predictability as a way to keep stress low. So if everything changes, if all the normal markers in your life are gone, your mind has to do a lot more work. So number one, I'm generally talking about three things at the moment that are important. And number one is about managing stress, recognizing peaks in your stress and being really proactive and intentional about how you manage that. And a lot of it is about trying to build back routine where you can. So in lockdown, we were encouraging people to maintain bits of routine, particularly to think about the stepping stones in your normal day or in your normal week try and get into new patterns so that that would drop that overall stress level but also the things in your rhythm and routine that are absolutely vital for keeping your baseline stress lower it's like putting the plug out of a pool and letting it drop back down so things like your rhythms of rest your rhythms of time out the boundaries around when are you working when are you resting in in a season when 
all of those things have been squashed into the same space, the same four walls. You know, um, it's it's really increasingly challenging. And also when the demand is much higher. So in this season now, as we're going back into the this sort of new normal and starting to release lockdown, I'm hearing from a lot of people who are just exhausted that mm. we've been doing this here for like 10, i think this is our 11th week if if you depending on exactly when you start counting and um and and actually what we're hitting now although it, it feels like it should be easier because we're returning to something that's a little bit like normal actually it's not because it's not normal so there's a, a lot of what we call dissonance around psychologists would call dissonance so you're doing something that should be normal but actually you see something that's out of place and it's triggering negative emotions because it doesn't fit it's not right so it's normal to go shopping it's not normal to have to queue for 45 minutes to get in it's normal to send your kids to school um some of our primary school kids have gone back this week and i've heard from several parents in the last two days saying they they've they've looked into the playground or they've looked into the classroom and they've just seen things and and literally they've felt this spike of anxiety of discomfort because it's not right so we've got these things that are triggering peaks in stress and we've got to be proactive therefore more than usual about how do we rest how do we relax how do we manage to to take time out so that we can refuel we energize ourselves and that that is so important because when your when your stress level baseline rises, it's on the same physiological system as emotions like frustration and anxiety. So if your baseline is already at sort of crisis level where you feel like you might go under, uh, the, one of the normal waves or challenges of everyday life suddenly feels enormous. It feels too much. It's like, are you kidding me? Like in my household, like why would you stash the dishwasher wrong now? Like, are you, are you kidding me? Why would you put that plate in at that angle when I know it's not going to get clean? It's like, because I am already up to here. That is going to push me over an edge. Normally, it would just be like mildly irritating because, you know, I like my dishwasher stacked right. But so everyone is so much more prickly at the moment. And the more we can think about building rest and stuff into our routine, the better we will handle all the other challenges of everyday life. So that's that's like my number one. Number two then is about how do you manage those awkward emotions, the difficult emotions. You know, we can get so obsessed when we think about well-being, about thinking about, you know, we've got to think positive. We've got to, you know, we mustn't admit the existence of any negativity. But in a season like this that is hard, there are difficult feelings around and we have to admit them. We have to allow them headspace. We have to be compassionate towards ourselves to say this is actually really hard. Mm -hmm. And we have find a way to process things like anxiety frustration loss the loss of our routines of our everyday life the loss of freedom for people who are not able to go out because of vulnerability um the loss of bereavement for families who've been affected i'm hearing a lot about that too so we have to find out how to do that and then the third thing is then finding the the pursuit of good things how do we build the good stuff into life because it's hard we've been locked down a lot of the things we would have done normally to have fun and it's interesting isn't it daniel how this season has has attacked some of our core basic needs as human beings yeah. things like connection with other human beings the people we love physical touch people are so much 
more aware now than they used to be about how important that is and it's something that that people like you and i, I well i certainly talk about it all the time i'm sure that you do um things like oh, i need to get into the outdoors to experience nature you know first of all people were limited in that now they're encouraged to do it get outside the only way we're allowed to meet people not from our household is to do it outside thank goodness the weather's been good the forecast is about to turn and my son's my son literally said to me he's like mommy we need to buy a really big umbrella he could right <laughs> because the only way to meet people now is to go outside and people are realizing therefore what a difference it makes when you can connect with nature and get out and see the sky so thinking about creativity and how you find joy how you find good things how you find connection mm. um and and doing all of this stuff in a season where it is so busy for some people you know um and and whichever end of that spectrum you're on it's tough and it's stressful if you're bored and isolated and lonely we know that is a massive stress trigger and a big challenge but at the same time if you are absolutely flat out if you're trying to work full time and also manage your kids or workers who are having to do extra shifts or pulling managing extra pressure it's it's exhausting and so it is a real challenge all of this stuff is hard Mm. it's so that's so timely for me hearing you talk there Kate because uh funny enough I had a really bad day yesterday and um I was out every day my wife we have two children and I would go out for a walk and as we were getting really close to our home um a young person two young people walked past me and one of them did something that wasn't it was quite um offensive and and I I said oi and he ignored me so I went oi and he ignored me again. And then I said, I'm trying to talk to you. And he said, oh, and he, he mocked my accent. He's because I live in North America. So uh, suddenly my blood level uh, boiling. Yeah. So I, I said, no, no, we're going to talk. So I walk after him. And his friend said, oh, sorry, sir. He's very disrespectful. And then he was rude to me again. And it was like the tunnel vision came in. And I was so yeah. angry in that moment. And I found myself pointing at him saying, you know, you need to learn respect. You need to. And suddenly there's this moment I'm going, why are you doing like oh, this is not you and it it's in the context of stress you know global pandemic what's going on in the news at the moment in in uh, in the us um, yeah. the fact that we're really close to that border we have lots of people that we know that are, mm. that are, are involved in that um our own our own stuff and all of this and I, the main point i was trying to make to this young man which i didn't make very well was in this time, you don't talk to people or treat people like that. You, yeah. We all we all need we need to help each other. Don't don't be so disrespectful. But clearly, he wasn't ready to hear that. Um, but but that's it, a good description, isn't it? Because when we're at that overwhelm point, literally, your thinking brain starts to switch off because your mind yeah. goes on to a kind of emergency mode, and that and that means you don't act at your best. You're not your most rational. And I know. Um, I've, I've been doing a lot of these sorts of podcasts talking about how do you support teenagers and I've had to confess many times that some of the most teenage behavior in our house in the last 10 weeks has been from me because mm. I've been so overwhelmed and then something happened and and I've just like you have had those moments you just think I am about to lose it I just mm. I cannot deal with this right now it's too much and so I, I know like our printer got quite quite a, a yelling at the other day because it decided not to print it's just like no I'm sorry you can't do this to me today and um it's it's hard and a lot of people talking to me about that just for us as adults the shock to find yourself reacting in ways that doesn't feel normal for you yeah. um that that feels unpredictable that feels even out of control that is frankly a bit 
it's a bit embarrassing what you know I've had to go and apologize to my kids a couple of times and be like mommy was not good in that moment because it you know we are pushed to the limit yeah. and it particularly if it's that to just type of just the stress of juggling and change and managing it's not that you're particularly distressed so you you sometimes you're not aware of it until those moments where you just suddenly react yeah absolutely and then there's the shame that comes with that the feeling of like oh it's it's like you know you kind of think in this day and age i had this moment as i was walking away i'm like was his friend filming that like that is not going to look good if that goes out into the public sector to see this angry man pointing at, a, you know, I don't know how old he was. He might have been 18, but just telling him off in public, which is not a very Canadian thing to do. So, um, yeah, well, don't worry. I'm a big cyclist. And I one of the ways that I've seen this is that although we've had a lot less traffic on the roads, the people in the cars are a lot more grumpy than usual. And I've been shouted at a lot biking in the last 10 weeks. But in one particular quite an extreme incident somebody drove past came quite close and they wound down the window and they really yelled at me and I also having quite a bad day frankly yelled back mm. and and they drove off and I thought oh fine and then I noticed they pulled in in front I thought all oh, right we're really going to do this are we and so as I cycled past they yelled again and there was a bit anyway it wasn't wasn't a great moment in a church leader's life mm. anyway so then I cycle off and I see that they've turned left and then I suddenly think oh wait a minute I know someone who lives on that road. And I thought, was that, was that actually someone, do I know them? Have I, because I didn't see them in the car. And then I was like, oh no, is it this lady who I know? And I actually, about 10 minutes further on in my ride, I actually stopped and I had to phone her. I was like, I, I just need to know, was that you? Because I might need to really badly apologize. <laughs> she was, thought it was hilarious. She's like, no, but you have clearly just yelled at one of my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> It's so it's so interesting, isn't it? Because I think in that I haven't I haven't talked to anyone about this incident, and it's kind of good to talk to you about it. But um, <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I I think I come away from that when when you're able the tunnel vision isn't there, and you're able to think. I go, oh, what I wanted to communicate to that young man was to be kind, more kind, and just to say, yeah. look, I'm, you know, I'm not a special case. I'm like everyone else, but there's a lot going on at the moment, and. Some of that's related to having family overseas who we can't see. And some of that's related to having our two children and their own needs. Um, just be kind. And I wish I could have said that. That's the message he probably needed to hear. And all he saw was an angry person getting angry with him, turning him to stop being so cheeky and that he doesn't know as much as he thinks he does. So, Lord, uh, anyway, yeah. maybe, maybe he's listening to this. If he's listening, I'm sorry. Um, I'm I have sorry. certainly very grateful that god doesn't only use perfect people in this time because mm. i felt very far from it and very aware sometimes of being of the limitations and the weaknesses and my own personal flaws in that so yeah <laughs> we're yeah. all in the same boat though so that's good yeah absolutely so kate i'm really interested i mean there's loads of things i'm interested in what you've said but i'm really interested in your that dual vocation of psychologist and pastor was that an intentional thing how like was that no not at all I actually started as a medic so my first degree is medicine as well but when I was quite early in my medical degree I really felt that God was talking to me saying this is this isn't what you're going to do for the rest of your life and I was a bit like okay well that's interesting because I'm on a medical degree so isn't that a problem and pretty much every year at the start of every year I would have this kind of dialogue with God where I'd be like seriously should I quit how does this work because I, I just feel like I know I'm not going to practice as a doctor. Um, and eventually I got to a point and I was actually part, I was 
partway through my clinical, so nearly at the end of my medical degree. And I just felt God say, no, no, this is the moment to leave. And it was then that I realized I'd always had this passion of about psychology, about the mind, how it works, how people think, and about how do you release the maximum potential for people and, and the things that limit people, seeing people who should, it felt like they should be able to access so much more in life, but things held them back and they never got over things or um, they, they had little challenges or issues for them that, that always limited what they could do. That was always my excitement. And I really felt God saying like, go, go off and study it. So that's when I went off to do the psychology. And came out of that eventually did a PhD in, in um, clinical psychology and then and then came out of it's a research degree in a clinical clinical area that's how we do it here but then I came out of that and I was like well now what and I actually started working for a Christian charity then working with eating disorders funnily enough originally in quite a narrow field and it was then through that through that I started to do more and more work with the church and, and got involved with the local church, which I'm actually now still on the leadership of. So we're talking like 20 years ago now. It's quite frightening. Well, maybe not quite 20, like 18 years ago. Um, and, and I started to feel God speak to me. And I think my own history with the church had, had been difficult. I didn't grow up in the church. My family background um, is that they're not Christians at all. And I I only got into church because the only other kid in my village as a, as a kid growing up in, in the country in the UK was the vicar's daughter. So I used to go and sit outside church and wait for her to come out so we could play. And eventually her dad, the vicar, said, come on in. And, mm. and it changed my whole life. But I've always found church slightly slightly tricky and and felt like I didn't totally fit in with the church culture which is a little bit weird and I still think that now and I've now worked in it for like 15 years so that's interesting um but so for me when God started to talk to me about the church and actually what an amazing space it is it was radical but I started to see that it was like the church is unique in, in being a space where people from all different backgrounds get drawn together and and seeing the teaching of the bible and what it, what it talks about about the potential of people when they do do life together well when they understand i mean you talked about some of the stuff going on in the usa at the moment but you, you understand like some of the bible teaching saying all of those old differences don't mean anything in Jesus' eyes because we're all one, we're the same people. And things like that, that transform your understanding of what people can be, what community can be, what family can be in its wider sense. And I did start to get really excited about that. And I got drawn in initially through working in pastoral care, doing supporting some of the projects and things that we were doing in our local community um, that needed that clinical expertise, but more and more just got passionate about God and the Bible and what it means to be a person of faith who also has a, an understanding of the mind. Um, and the rest is history, I guess. Wow. And that's, and that's really interesting because I'd imagine you can tell me if I'm wrong, but, um, and this is a segue into mind and soul, uh, that intersection of psychology and faith, I mean, Sanctuary is an organization, we are like uh, getting close to 10 years old. Uh, how old is Mind and Soul? So we would be about, uh, so we're over 50, I think we're about 18 years old, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I'm imagining that was like a really new dynamic 18 years ago, like that. I mean, was there anyone else that you knew of that were making headway and bringing the faith and psychology no, piece together? Usual, and I think all three of us, and and the guys, Rob and Will, 
they they sort of kicked off mind and soul and then i joined them soon after and we we all shared this vision of of a space where we could talk good good psychology good psychiatry and good theology and find a space where they met we had this passion for what the bible and what god could teach us about our own minds the mind that that god did create um and the potential for people but also the need within the church to be talking about this much more and when we started you're right that the church really didn't talk about mental health and if they did it was all about where's the line how do I, how and when do I hand this over to the nice professional over there? Yeah. And it's interesting because our work in our first decade was all about getting people talking and, mm. and understanding that this was an issue that the church not only could engage with, but should, that we had not just an opportunity, but a responsibility to engage with this. Mm. And, and now moving on, we're in what feels like a very different season where people's interest levels have grown. There's a lot more conversations happening. But what we're about is trying to shape and equip and resource those conversations. And and people in the church doing amazing work at a time when in, in the UK, mental health services are under phenomenal pressure and really limited in what they can manage mm-hmm. so there's quite a, a big and growing space now where particularly people in churches who are on the front line in their communities are getting involved getting stuck in with mental health mental illness and the wider issues around mental and emotional well-being and what it means just to do life well wow and that's really interesting you talk about the first 10 years how would you frame the work of mind and soul now in terms of i mean obviously there's the 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 educate equip and encourage but how does how does mind and soul i'm just thinking for people watching or listening who don't know about the work of mind and soul how what does that really look like at the moment for mind and soul how do you do that as an organization so we are i mean mind and soul is the three of us uh, so myself uh, my colleague uh, rob who's a psychiatrist and will who's a vicar working in hdb in london and so it is us speaking teaching and equipping and resourcing so most of that we do either normally through uh, conferences and being physically present oh weren't they the days at i the remember moment- that awful lot of this sort of thing so my my travel costs have plummeted which is the good news uh but we also do it through connecting people with amazing other organizations and individuals who are just doing great work because we were aware one of the strengths of the church is the passion that people hold when god particularly if god has changed your life you want to take that out and so a lot of people starting brilliant things what we're not always so good at doing is working together and Mm. connecting people and we had this real passion to connect and bring together good stuff in this field and to connect it with the people who needed it the most who were looking so we have a website we have this central hub where people can come to and we try and connect them with good stuff that's going on basically and it's an amazing privilege to work with some brilliant people so we we for example we toyed for a while with the idea of writing a course ourselves for churches and then we thought one day didn't you know what there are so many brilliant courses out there for churches why would we write yet another why don't we use our time to tell people about the stuff that's already out there so we spend a lot of our time uh, bigging up other people which is an awesome privilege wow it's very good and, and for what it's worth kate it's a, a good opportune moment for me to to do this in this public forum um you know as an organization that is that is growing i mean i don't know if you've heard but we've had i mean the since the start of COVID, we see what people are Googling, what they're searching. And yeah. obviously the number of people Googling uh, faith and anxiety, faith and depression has just rocketed. And um, we've had downloads of our resources in over 33 countries in the last three months. Oh, that's so, great. 
it's a it's a really interesting interesting time for us and i think um there are many organizations that work well actually no there aren't many there are a few organizations that work in this intersection and a number of small ones and great people with great hearts doing great work some of the challenges that we can sometimes see in certain people maybe it's a a one-man band somewhere who's got a heart for this is that they often lack the integration of the clinical piece and the theological piece they'll have a lean a strong leaning one way or the other and and the the challenge is you know to use mental health and faith jargon they can easily fall into a more medical model uh, uh, you know in, instead of this interdisciplinary you know how do we listen to the bible in its own right how do we listen to the science and how do we put the person at the center and when me and my team talk about organizations around the world that are doing this well one of the ones at the top of our list is mind and soul i think you've 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 navigated that so well in bringing the clinical the theological the lived experience together and that's no easy task so i just want to you know thank you for your work and what you're doing and being that signpost because i i love that i met will uh, about a year and a half ago and and will said you know no we're not we are trying to point people to what's out yeah. there we'd like this central signposting organization and um just so needed and so grateful for for you rob and will pioneering in that area um before many of us even began so thank you for doing that well we love to do it and i think that's the amazing thing isn't it that god calls us to the things that we're passionate about so it's it's just an amazing privilege and a joy you know i'm we're just picking up a a new project here and and i've i've just been overwhelmed a bit today with the grace of god that we get to do this stuff it's amazing and we meet the most brilliant people as well both those who are pioneering stuff those who are suffering and and struggling themselves but also those just like you say quietly getting on with it in their own communities mm. and this season has has really demonstrated some of that and some of the goodness that there is in our communities in people it's it's been awesome really inspiring mm. that's great thank you so much for your time kate thank you for sharing with us it's been really good for me personally it's been really good and i, I think it's going to encourage a lot of people so thank you so much Great. Well, I would really encourage people, if you want more, if you're interested in more resources, we have um, all sorts of articles, links, videos. I've done a little weekly thought and stuff, and you can find it all from our website. So you can check out mindandsoulfoundation.org, mindandsoulfoundation, all is one word, or follow us on social media. We're at mindandsouluk. Very good. Very good. Check it out. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll uh, uh, see you next time. Okay. Thanks, Kate. Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries exists to equip the church to be a sanctuary for all people at all stages of their mental wellness journeys. May this podcast encourage you to create safe space for your own story and the stories of others, as well as create change in communities that stigmatize those suffering with mental health challenges. The Sanctuary Course is a small group resource designed to help initiate and guide conversations about mental health and faith. It is a starting point, creating a base of shared knowledge from which churches can explore the next steps. Perhaps most importantly, through the simple act of talking openly about mental health, the course helps churches begin to create safe spaces for people to share their mental health stories and receive support in community. 
Each theme in the course is explored from a psychological, social, and theological perspective, and each session is accompanied by a compelling film focused on an individual's story, a person of faith who has journeyed through mental health challenges. Interested in exploring the Sanctuary course for use in your community? Learn more at sanctuarycourse.com. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives 4.0 license. Don't change it or sell it, but please share it all you like.